Okay, guys, welcome to episode 10. And today I've got Mr. Ben Carpenter. What's going on, Ben? Very well, thank you, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. Actually, before we start, I'd like to tell everyone this episode is sponsored by my dad's kebab shop. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben Carpenter's tanning oil. What tanning oil do you use, <laughs> I actually don't use tanning oil, just olive oil. Straight up olive oil. Straight up olive oil. I like it, mate. How you doing? You're good? Very well, thanks. Very well. I haven't had any of your dad's kebabs. Don't know how I feel about guest on the show. Didn't receive sponsorship benefit. Listen, mate. I saw your other post about influencers and that. If you do a post, if you do a post about my dad's kebab shop, you can have unlimited supplies, mate. Unlimited. Okay. Okay. Yeah, deal. Deal. Yeah. Done. Verbal contract is binding. Exactly. Hundred percent. And a lot of people are going to hear it too. So you have to do it now. Yeah. Before Done. before we before we start, right? Before we get into it. I need to ask you a very important question, mate. Sorry, signal's quite bad. Not sure if I... <laughs> yeah, <go on. laughs> what is your order when you go into a Nando's? So, double butterfly chicken. Okay. One butterfly is not enough. Double butterfly chicken. Yeah. Hot sauce. Then two sides. Normally spicy rice yep. sweet potato mash sometimes i'll double up on the rice sometimes i'll double up on the sweet potato mash depends how i'm feeling that day my man i like it it depends what occasionally go on. extra hot sauce drizzle on the side you know and i'm feeling brave yeah yeah dip it in regret it spicy mate spicy Too spicy so would you go red or medium like medium to red right yeah yeah, yeah. normally i get the hot if I get hot sauce, I yeah. look more impressive and I just have yeah. to like dip a little bit. So on the alert signs, what Boris was showing us, where would you say you four. are? I'm a four. You're a I ease into a four. I normally hover around three and then just dip my toe into four every so often. I dip my chicken in. Yeah. Wait, I'll be honest. I didn't understand a word you were saying, mate. I, I was so confused. You just got to stay alert, mate. Mate, that was just... that was Them changing the hashtag was like saying... Hey guys, hello, uh, nation. We are letting you know nothing's actually changed, but we're changing the hashtag to make it seem like there is a lot Stay of progress. Alert. Stay, Stay alert. alert. I mean, no, nothing has actually changed for a lot of people, is it? It's like you're pretty much staying at home. You can exercise a bit more. Yeah, I know. Stay alert. It's all right, man. East London, I've always been alert. <laughs> I've always been <laughs> alert, even when I don't want yeah. to be. I'm alert where, all, the yeah, all the time. So, where are you at the moment? Right now, I am in glorious Oxfordshire, which is actually my hometown. We okay. are staying in an apartment, which is only five minutes away from my old secondary school. Okay. Surreal. Nice. Is that cl that's close to mum and dad? Mum? Yeah, mum is like 15 minutes away. Basically, yeah. like where I grew up, yeah. grew up in a tiny village, and then I moved five minutes in another direction. Yeah. Then I moved 15 minutes in another direction, and 15 minutes in another direction. So there's only ever been like, 20 minutes between the two furthest locations i've lived all my life and oh. we're right back in the hub of it now and i'm assuming it's like mad quiet there right yeah yeah and and how how are you coping like compared to like obviously it's mad it's, isn't it so, <laughs> so the, the thing was originally like when we booked flights and stuff all the the lockdown measures weren't in place like everything was starting to escalate so we were just going to come back and stay with my mum or stay with friends for a bit and then find out what to do next move on to a hotel and then like literally two days before we flew the i think the lockdown came into place and all hotels shut so oh shit i've got no accommodation sorted we were just going to stay with mum and it said 
don't stay with friends or family, all of the social distancing stuff. So um, I rented this holiday apartment, which definitely shouldn't be rented for a month. You get like <laughs> a price quote is either like three days or seven days. So I was like, oh, can I have it for four weeks and then like eight weeks? So it's not particularly cheap. Yeah. But it's right on a golf course. So, you know, as, as much space as you can get. Super yeah. quiet. Are you, um, are you still able to train at home? Have you got any equipment or anything to keep you safe? I, my friend very kindly donated an old pair of adjustable dumbbells. So we have two dumbbells that go up to 32 and a half kilos, set of resistance bands. And that was all we started with just is using it, the other person as weight, like throwing Sohi around. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it like the, is it, is it the bowl flex? Is that, is it a bowl flex dumbbell? Something like that. There's a brand like that. that that's it just, it, it, I think it's an, I think it's an older version. This is it not? I, had to, I had to wipe the rust off like before. I started uh, okay. Kind donation though. But you know what? Yeah, uh, it's mad because I'm frustrated that gyms are not open and I can't lift and whatever. But yeah. does it make you more creative with what you have at home when you're training? This is what I said. Like when I, when I was a teenager and I was that kid trying to get massive chest and biceps, I used to just train at home with like three pairs of dumbbells. And I've always said, if a personal trainer's got limited equipment, their learning curve on training will be accelerated because you have to get used to like, tweaking workouts to suit the the available weights and things like that so change the like mechanics of an exercise or how long you rest between sets or something good yeah. for imagination if yeah. you try like if personal trainers get used to working out with limited equipment when they have a gym again Man. they've got all the tools they need but take someone that's always had amazing equipment give them one pair of dumbbells and it's like oh, shit what do i do yeah i don't know about uh, the gym you were working at before but when I was doing my, when I first started doing one-to-one -one PT in Oxford Circus, yeah. it was a really small fitness first. And at peak time, it's ridiculous. You find a spot, yeah. you don't leave. But I always used to either, if I, even if I had a barbell or dumbbell, it was always pressure as a fresh PT to get really creative. And yeah, now yeah. anytime you take me to a gym or whatever, and it's busy, it's packed. If I was to train anyone, I'd be so composed. Like compared That's what to I mean. You You've got it in the, you've got it in the locker, and mine was the same thing. Like the first gym I ever worked at was LA Fitness Oxford City Centre. So because it was right in the middle of Oxford at five pm, whatever, loads of students, people after work would just walk to the gym, and five pm would be heaving. Yeah. But if you're used to creating routines with like barely any equipment, you can grab a pair of dumbbells, go into a quarter, fine for an hour. You've got it there. Is LA LA Fitness when you started PT in there? When was yeah. that? When was that? I was, I think I started there when I was 19. I think it was like July when I was 19. So like 14 years ago. Oh, snap. Is that, is one of three? Mate, you look good, bruv. <laughs> you look good, man. It's light, mate. The amount of gray hair I've actually got is not. The light. And you got a new trim from Sohi's, that right? Yeah, Sohi's right. sorted it out. Fresh Listen, trim. You white guys, right? Yeah. Are very lucky. I'll tell you why. And yeah. I'm going to explain this right now for people that don't understand why I get fades so often and why it's very important for me to go gray to hair. a white person. No, not the gray hair. Because your hair is fairer than mine, right? Yeah. So if the fade is not done properly, because it's blonde, you can't really see it if it's yeah. a bad fade. If I have a bad fade, because my hair is so dark and the skin behind my hair is very pale on my skull, 
Yeah, yeah. It's very obvious that it's a shocking fade. (laughs) I've kind of got that, but it's because my like beard and hair, there's a certain length where it goes ginger. So it's like (laughs) I can have a certain amount of stubble. And then when it grows a little bit too long, it's like 50% ginger, 30% gray. And I'm like, time to shave. Mate, you know what's mad? As when my beard gets longer as well, I get, I get, it gets a little bit red, man. But I'm just, it gets. Is it really? Like, yeah, it gets a little bit red. I've got a little bit of ginger in me, mate. You know what I mean? How long? How long has that been growing for? Knowing you, what one, one and a half days? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legit. It's crazy. <laughs> when I get a fresh fade or like trim my beard, the next day you yeah. can literally see how much, like, yeah. it's grown. It's like quite shocking and really annoying, actually. Mine takes, I actually have an insane amount of grooming to be this hairless because I have to wax. Otherwise my beard joins into my chest hair, joins into shoulders, arms, the whole lot. It's my like mind. shaving a square on a sheep. Where do you start and stop? <laughs> Listen, when um, I just let all the fur grow, right? And if I ever want to yeah. get leaner, boom, yeah. V up 24, seven, 2% drop in body fat in seven minutes. I've said, I've said, I've said this. You've been on for seven minutes, mate. That is too long. That will burn your skin off, trust me. I always said this when I was younger, like doing photo shoots and stuff. The biggest difference that ever made was just taking hair off and getting a tan. It's like wax, tan, oil up before yeah. a photo shoot. And it like night and day difference. You've done nothing. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you what, sometimes I kept the seven minutes too long in dark areas that I shouldn't have. <laughs> If you're a guy and you've got veet, you've put it in areas that you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. It's like, <laughs> it's just, I, I'm sure it must be a guy thing. It's like, guys, you just you have to do the thing you're not supposed to do. Like as a kid, you buy, buy a magnifying glass and it says, do not look at the sun. First thing you do, straight up at the sun. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Do it's, not put on genitals. And you're like, well, guess I'm busy for the next yeah. half an hour. When, um, when you were working at... Are we you, still recording the podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off on a tangent there. Yeah, minor. Um, you know, when you first started PT, right? At LA, yeah. at LA Fitness. Mm-hmm. Was that, were you self-employed then or were you working for the gym? Self-employed, straight in. So when, when I started, I think my rental, I think I had to pay £612 a month and then like any more than something like 50 sessions, you had to pay like an overage okay. and ended up changing that scheme. I assume because they realized that they can't trust people to be honest when it comes to declaring income. Yeah. So in the end, after a while, I think I had to pay 830 pounds a month rent to be yeah. there. And that was like cheapest level. And then it teared up from there. Yeah. Same. I was paying at fitness first, like 200 a week or something like that. 220 a week. In London though, those like in London, London. premium rates. Yeah, London, and it, and you could do pretty much wherever you want. LA Fitness, I think, like had three tiers. The like oh. cheapest tier, if you were like, <clears throat> if you were like thirty five pound an hour trainer, you're on the lowest tier, or like forty forty five. And then if you're in London, all of the tiers were like moved up one, so you had to pay more uh, in London. Okay, yeah, Obviously. but LA Fitness in London gets a lot of high end clients, right? Where you can yeah. charge like through the roof. I think if I remember correctly, actually, if you were in London, you had a higher tier. And then I think if you were in London, South Ken, it was a higher tier again. I uh, think okay. I remember. I mean, this is yeah, like 14 yeah. years ago now. So what about like for the personal trainers that are listening, right? Yeah. I've always, I've always like encouraged personal trainers like, like me, like you, I just dived in with being self-employed and I, I feel like that was yeah. the best thing I ever did. It put the pressure on me. Agreed. To get clients on. Do you, do you feel like it did the same for you or 
yeah, I, I kind of stumbled into it. Like when I started, when I was like training, I emailed all of the gyms in my area. So bear in mind, I'm in a very rural area. So I have to drive like 30 minutes to get to a major gym at all. It's not yeah. like London where within a five minute radius on the tube, you've got dozens. So I emailed like all of the closest gyms and basically said, what would you need for a personal trainer to work there? And they said, some are, some are employed, some are self-employed, different qualification requirements, et cetera. LA Fitness was basically my closest major gym and they would only take self-employed. So it kind of made the decision for me. Uh, and at the time it was scary, but it basically worked out that if you did any more than 24 sessions a month, you made profit any less and you literally lost money. So there's where your like threshold was. And when you think about it, if you said 24 sessions a month, no one is, no one has a target lower than that. So straight away, it's like, you're already talking about where your profits are coming in versus being in a gym where they're like, okay, we'll have 50% of everything you make. Yeah. But you know, what's mad? Like you say that no one has a minimum of that, that many sessions, but some people don't even think about that. They're just like, they yeah. go without even looking into it. Like personal trainers in the industry, they're like, I'm going to go for the safe thing. Yeah. Because I'm new or whatever. And then I think it, that's, I, go on. I, sorry, I think that's one of the, the like psychology of it is if you say to someone, you're going to give me a grand a month. That's scary. But if you're like, okay, you can make as much money as you want, but I'm going to take 50% of everything. When people are earning three or four grand a month and then they're like, oh shit, I'm paying 1500 or two grand to the gym. Yeah. But it's a different psychology of like whether you actually physically have to pay the cash out or if it's taken off you before it comes into your bank account. That's all it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's why... Any personal trainers out there, put your clients on direct debits. Don't let them think about the cash. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It is like if, if clients are on direct debit, it's done. And then if you have to sell, can you give cash like in advance or something or afterwards? It's different psychology. Different yeah. psychology. Because like if you think about it, for example, me in Australia, every time I went for a massage, not a happy yeah. ending, Ben. All right, before you ask me, I would never have asked that, mate. I've yeah. got that crew. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, I was always like, you'd always think twice about paying the cash that's coming out of your pocket. But yeah. when do you ever think about a phone contract coming out? Like right. never, right? And that, the perfect example is like income tax, isn't it? If you're self-employed, at the end of each tax year, you've got to write a big tax bill and you're like, oh shit, that feels massive. <laughs> yeah. But if you, was, if you were paying the same amount of tax and it was taken out of source, yeah. psychologically it doesn't feel the same. Exactly. That's yeah, all it I is, I think. I hear you. We 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 met last year, didn't we? Did we meet last year? London. London. Libra's daughter's first birthday party. Yes. You came in to see me and James, and you had a little pump with James, and then we linked up. That's right, yeah? Yeah, that's one. Very what? surreal to introduce. Like, I went down and saw James, and he's like, oh, we're going to go and see Diran, which is what I expected. <laughs> said, oh, then we're going to go and see Paula Lima, and then here's everyone that's going to be on the list. I was like... <laughs> mate i'm i'm way too socially awkward to do that as the first event like just take me for a drink and then i'll go back you'll be fine but you know what and that's one of the things i love about you mate you're so socially awkward i love it <laughs> i, I actually, love it you you actually what was it you said to me like we were in a cab or something and uh, you're like you, you are, said something like, I said, you are the weirdest, most charismatic guy I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> you looked at me like, is this guy for real? I was like, no, no, it's a good thing because, hey, man, it's, 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 20, it's 2019, mate. Weird is cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Oh, you got but that's it. what I've, that, I've basically waited for this year. Like people, people are getting more and more comfortable with being weird. So I've come into my own. You waited the all those years in school. Years, <laughs> stuff struggled, whereas now embrace it. Embrace that shit, hundred percent. What What did you think of me before you met me? Um, you can be as honest, bro. I don't care. Like, I I think I remember if I said this to you when I met you, or after I met you. So. I said that I genuinely think, and this is going to seem like it's scripted because it's nice, but I'm, yeah. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I genuinely said, I can't remember if it's to you or if it's to James or whoever, but I said, you two, I think have like the biggest impact on the fitness industry in, especially in the UK out of anyone that I can think of because hear me out. Good reasoning here. How many people now like from what james has talked about how many people talk about the importance of calories that they didn't before all of a sudden that has become the like yeah the go-to when people talk about weight loss the number of people i see going it's just calorie fucking deficit mate yeah and it's really important for the industry to get away from the belief that you had to have like a certain fad diet it's like no no all diets work the same calorie deficit and that was a very important like myth to bust with yours neat for the nerdy people in the, in the industry, yeah. NEAT was always the forgotten component of non-resting energy expenditure. Yeah. And the nerdy people would talk about it, but the masses never did. They wanted to lose weight. I'm going to go and start running. And yeah. then you came along and just went, NEAT up 24-7. <laughs> people yeah. listened to it, and you managed to popularize the most obscure component of non-resting energy expenditure that no one talked about. Fucking brilliant. My man. I Made it catchy. My man, guys, I didn't even pay him to say that. I swear my mum's life. <laughs> Still pushing for the kebab sponsorship. <laughs> no problem. I, I really that, appreciate that's it. That's like one, one of the important things. And I, I've always said this to people. Is like, it doesn't matter how, how nerdy someone's like scientific knowledge is. How many people are they reaching? And you yeah. had a message. You had a way of, of communicating quite a nerdy message. Like non-exercise activity thermogenesis isn't catchy. And you managed to just simplify it in a way that spread. Fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Mate, it took me a year to spell that, mate. But you know what? It's 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 actually really nice to hear that from someone that I know is way smarter than me. You know? So Well, it, it, I think we talked about this because you were talking about like me being more intelligent. And I was like, I mean that that is flattering, but say like between you and James, the amount of people that you basically can like got to understand two of the most important components of like fitness, health, weight loss, however you want to look at it. Super simple message that you go out to the masses. Doesn't matter how intelligent someone is or like how nerdy they talk about it. How many people are they actually impacting? Yeah. In that yeah. regard, I think I had it backwards. I Talking about it. all the nerdy pages, but nerdy stuff to a small audience doesn't affect and it doesn't positively impact the same way that a simplified good message impacts if you can you know spread it out yeah and you know what though but the mad thing is i need you nerdy guys i need you guys <laughs> to number one <laughs> learn from yeah number two when i need help i need backup from smarter guys because i like that though the, the avengers thing yeah, man. That's why I did that thing last year when I was like, when that sugar demon was coming after me. 
Remember, yeah. I was like, backup. I'm, I'm calling you. I'm calling Martin McDonald, Smith. I need backup. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's so good to have like people like you, number one, support me with that sort of message. But yeah. I actually sometimes feel like some of the guys in the industry that slightly hate the fact that I've simplified something so scientific. You know what? That wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. So the way I view it in like a term in terms of tier structure, right at the top, you've got researchers and how many of general public, even people going to the gym could name a single exercise science researcher. Not a fucking chance. Yeah. Then there are kind of people like me who read the research and try and simplify it like a bit. Yeah. But Again, like if you spoke to a hundred random people in the UK, how many of them are going to know me? Probably none. But then if you have like a message like you have had where you've managed to popularize it so well, or a message like James has had where you've managed to popularize it so well, more and more people have heard that. So the way I view it is like you've, you've done the best job at holding up the megaphone. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that's more valuable than the people talking about the really nerdy stuff in their little kind of echo chamber of, of friends rather than actually like thinking all this fitness stuff is great all the nerdy stuff is great but if we can't communicate it to people it goes fucking nowhere yes, who benefits know, it's so true and you know what i've i always had this issue um i had this issue in sydney a little bit i, I was cool with everyone in my gym but on yeah. the gym floor i was so like i wouldn't say hyper but i was very like i am now like the person that you've seen yeah, yeah i wasn't yeah. i wasn't i wouldn't say i knew the science of things to death as some of the other coaches yeah but I delivered it in such a way for people to understand that I was always fully right. booked. Right. And I feel like some personal trainers, they, they struggle with getting the message across because they're trying to be a little bit too professional. Right. Yes. And I think, what do you think about that? Do they, you, they need to find I, a balance or not? Could not agree more. So the first, when I first started working at LA fitness in Oxford, got like being this specific sounds like i'm name dropping and i'm at a point now where people might actually hear this but i have to say yeah. it now yeah so course. the guy that i follow the personal training manager he was i looked up to him very intelligent guy relative to to my knowledge at the time um and because he was the only other personal trainer there it's like not a huge personal training culture at the time i used to follow what he was doing so i believe that he kind of in terms of business i had to do what he did he was my manager yeah so i if he went to speak to people on the gym floor, I'd do the same, you know, that type of thing. And after a couple of months, I barely had any clients. And we had like an area manager. And she basically came in, lovely, lovely girl. Um, and she said to me, Ben, you have, like, I mean this really respectfully. You're not supposed to be copying him. Like, he is your superior because he's in the club already. But he's not someone that you need to be emulating because he does things backwards. And he was very he was so he wanted to like show people how intelligent he was but oh. he alienated people by not talking on their level so like i remember him walking to a studio once me and him were training around and as we walked out there were two like probably 19 year olds doing sit-ups yeah and i promise you as he was walking out he said in these words you do realize that you're going past the degree of spinal flexion that you need you're totally working your iliopsoas now no, he did not. He, and it was like, but he didn't say like, oh, you would feel it more in your stomach if you went to this angle or if you change your technique like that. Yeah. He literally started talk to, talking to them about hip flexion, spinal flexion. And then he dropped that and then just walked out. And I saw them look at each other like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> like, what? <Yeah. laughs> like, they honestly looked pissed off. Yeah. And 
his, it was this thing where he like wanted to show people how intelligent he was. Yeah. And the thing that I wanted to do is I was like, I want to conduct good service. I want to be able to teach people stuff. Of course, everyone does. Yeah. But ultimately, if, pe- if clients don't want to spend their time in the gym, how effective can you be? Like if yeah. someone came along, like the, what the most popular personal trainer I knew in that like LA fitness local yeah. gym scene, she openly said to me, I'm not very intelligent. I'm going to come to you for questions all the time. But the one thing that she was amazing at was hyping up her clients. She yeah. was good fun to be around. So when they went to the gym, they looked forward to it. They were like, I'm dying to see you. Let's do yeah. three sessions this week just because they like the gym. And yeah. you can't knock a personal trainer in the general public, not like high-end sports facilities. Yeah. General public, biggest issue is adherence, as yeah. you know. Yeah. So if you've got a personal trainer that's actually fun to be around, that's where you need to be. Yeah, 100%. I hear that. That's I the biggest that. hurdle. And to be honest, I would say, basically, the, the, where I got most of my knowledge with fitness and coaching or whatever is literally training with better coaches than me seen an S&C coach, seen a yeah. physio once a week, learning from them in yeah. a practical and then yeah. delivering it in my style across to yeah. other people. And my goal was always, if someone's coming to see me, I want to either try and teach them something, make sure they're having fun and make sure they leave in a better mood. And that always yeah. made them come back. And the guys that you're talking about, like the guy trying to correct those two 19 year olds, yeah. it's like, by trying to say all these big words, he actually comes across more stupid than smart. Yeah, that's the thing. Like one of the, the biggest things that I think is important is it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much someone knows if they can't communicate it well. And he was a really good example of that because I looked up to him for knowledge on some things. Yeah. But I saw the impact that when he tried to talk to people in the gym, I saw that people didn't like him. He wasn't a charismatic guy. Yeah, And when you say that you feel like you have a bit of ego from people, that's it. Like if you've had someone that's been training for like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years or whatever. Yeah. And you come along and you're like, I don't take myself too seriously. I'm just going to make this fun. And they see that you're becoming insanely popular. People are a bit resentful about the fact they've had to put in so much work for so long. Yeah. And they basically missed the thing that you've come in and gone, actually, I don't give a fuck about that. I'm (laughs) going to make sure that it's good. But yeah. primarily, I'm going to make sure that I'm actually good fun and I make people want to exercise. 100%. And then you've got other people like wanking each other off about the minutiae of fitness that doesn't really matter to most people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you get these people. Like, I reckon one of the, the reasons I, I was good at that is I stayed in my lane. I yeah. didn't try and do anything too complex. I, I, I'd never try and talk. I never talk about stuff I don't know. Instead of, instead of yeah. trying to spend so much time on my weaknesses, I really just tried to push my strengths, you know? And I always say yeah. to like personal trainers, like, great, you're doing this course, you're doing this course, you're doing this course. Just jump on the gym floor and just mingle with people and learn how to actually coach people instead. This was exactly what I, I used to do. Like the biggest thing that, biggest difference that I ever made to my business when I worked in the gym, just like one-to-one stuff, was just going out and chatting to people. Don't overthink it. Like if you were training with your mates, and you saw someone now that was doing something on the gym floor that didn't look great or is unsafe or something, you could have that casual chat to them. So I was like, just walk around and like ask people what they're doing and like ask, you know, offer help if they need it. And that's it. It's not like, but you've got, I think you've got people that spending like tens of thousands on additional training, additional training, trying to be super nerdy, but they haven't yet 
realize that they have to have clients to be able to implement it with like make your sessions fun make your clients want to go to the gym then give them a better service exactly you're like you're working with people but you're not working on your people skills (laughs) (laughs) right and right and that's it and like from a fitness perspective the like a lot of people now because of people like you and james like being able to project like a simplified message more and more people now are saying things like doesn't matter what diet you pick as long as you've got a calorie deficit people are like inadvertently acknowledging that adherence is important yet they're not realizing that they have to get their clients adhering to go to the gym in the first place make it fun doesn't matter how nerdy it is just make them want to be there and already you're winning mate i used to have i'm not gonna lie i used to have so much fun like prospecting i used to wait by the stairs sometimes and like girls girls used to just come down and i used to id them i used to be like hey guys can i see your id before you can come in (laughs) they used to be like what i used to be like yes i'm dead serious can i please see your id before you come into the gym they're like oh my god and australians they're so like okay yeah sure we'll get i'll get my id out they get the ids out and i'll be like yep thank you very much i've just took your number i will message you for a free session Do you really? Yeah, of course. And and it works. And like people would be like, Dylan, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to Did you ever people. did you ever misjudge it and you use something like that and it didn't go down well and you're like, oh fuck. mate, I've been turned away. I've, people have been rude to me so many times, but I've just ignored it. I've ignored it because there was a lot more people that love the fact that someone approached them in a non-fitness way because nowadays you get so many people that personal trainers approaching general population and going hey there say susan uh, that is incorrect in my head i'm thinking would you ever try and chat up chat up a girl in a club and turn around and say by the way your shoes look like shit (laughs) you know what i mean you try to talk to them and then once they respect you and have acknowledged you then you can give some advice ask their name, what they're doing, how's your day, instead of going, that's incorrect, right? I, I had this I had this exact conversation on the like, fitness unfiltered charity conference that, that we talked about. Yeah. And I said, a lot of personal trainers, I've seen them doing this online where they argue so much, arguing so much about things online that they often blame the person that they're arguing with as if they're like, oh, they're never going to change their mind. Whereas I don't think they realize how much of a dick they came across in the first place. So yeah. like with my old, with the old trainer that I looked up to, he was the type of person that would say, oh, they're never going to listen to the advice that I gave. But I watched it and I was like, I wouldn't have listened either because you came across yeah. like an absolute twat. <laughs> yeah. But if it had, like if it had just gone over to him and be like, all oh, right, lads, what are you training today? And, oh, we're just doing abs at the moment. Oh, how's the exercise feel? Oh yeah, it feels all right. Oh, I think you might be able to get, you might be able to feel it slightly more if you try this. Yeah. Why don't you give it a go? They try it and they're like, oh yeah, I feel that a lot more in my stomach. And we're like, great, this is why. Done. And he's like, he's taught them, but in a way that they actually like him rather than thinking, who was that helmet? Yeah. I hear you. What um so in by the way, you've hit a hundred K on Instagram, right? Scraped it there. Congrat congratulations. Why have you scraped it? Oh, I'm just typically self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but congrats, man. That's You know what? It's a big thing. I, I hit 100K last year. And although it's amazing... It, You've I, actually I, reminded me of something, Darren. When you were at 99K, did I or did I not give you a shout-out and say, could everyone go and follow Darren to get 100K? You might have. And Did you do that for me or not? I didn't even know... You were, I thought you were over, big man. 
All right. <laughs> Sponsorship <laughs> negotiation is going to go up now. It's cutting out, Ben. It's cutting out. No, no, no. I can, I can still hear you, mate. Keep talking. I, so why was that? What happened? So basically, a monkey came and took my phone that day and ran away. And um, I was mid-typing the story. Mid-typing mid-typing. the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it. But guess what? You're going to get a lot of shout-outs after this podcast, big man. Just, just making a note of that, mate. You know who your true <laughs> friends are. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. You know, uh, uh, you know Jade? Jake. Jade, tall white friend. Oh, Jade, yeah. Jade, yeah. I felt really awkward for a moment then, because I was yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. When, um, when, he was, when he was close to 10K, um, I put on a... <laughs> when he hit 10K, me and Jade put on a story going, everyone unfollow Jade. <laughs> so it goes back down. He, he genuinely tagged me in a story where he'd screen recorded me yeah. being on like 99.9, then him unfollowing. Hey, oh, it's too funny. But you know what? It's a bit of banter, isn't it? How do you feel about oh, yeah, um, yeah. how is that like a big achievement for you, or like is it like any other day? Like, uh, you, you know what? It's a bit, it's a bit weird because like it, it makes no fucking difference, does it? It's just no. an arbitrary milestone. Like it's yeah, it's cool that more people follow. It's cool that when I post educational stuff, more people learn. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just like, feels a bit of a dick measuring contest. Like, I'm a bit more popular. Yeah. And realistically, most people I'm friends with, like, say events like IFS, I would have one of the smaller followings compared to most people there. So I can't celebrate too hard. Otherwise, yeah. everyone else is like, yeah, I've already got a blue tick. What about you? Yeah. Hey, we need to sort that out, bro. You need to get, you, you, I might understand why I don't get one because I've like called out so many people like I probably get reported all the time. But you, you <laughs> yeah. should, you should be, you get your blue tick, you get your blue tick quicker than me, bro. I've got no reason. Like they're supposed to be for like people that get their profiles copied and stuff, aren't they? No one yeah. pretends to be me. What are they going to do? Repost nerdy infographics? What about Ellen DeGeneres? She tries to be you all the time. No, that's a good shout. <laughs> that is a good shout. <laughs> Anyone who's watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, please report her profile for trying to be me. No, don't do that. Don't imagine if that went in the news. Wait, but, tens but, of millions of followers. But if everyone that listens to this creates a fake profile of you and me, and we put it to Instagram, yeah. we could maybe get a blue tick like that. If you if you promote this movement and I get a blue tick, I will overlook the fact that I gave you a 99.9k shout out and you didn't give me one. I like that. Guys, you hear that? You hear that? Let's start <laughs> making some fake accounts. <laughs> <laughs> what um like obviously it's mad because like we say we don't care about followers and uh, I Oh no, I, I do care. I do care. But we do care, right? In a sense where like care. even like even me for the last a uh, couple months my my growth has slowed down like i feel like everyone's growth has slowed down a little bit because content you i don't feel as creative i don't feel as creative as i would if i was out and about running about you know and yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. say we don't care but we do in it uh, do you think that's no, a we, bad? Do care. we do care in it we do care. i think to be honest i think anything where you see a number people are going to get it in their head that there's a bit of a game involved and like seeing numbers go up is gratifying it's a bit like going to the gym you see a bench press numbers go up it's a bit exciting yeah if you've been slaving away to put 10 kilos on the bench press in your head you're like oh, i'll be nice if i get another 10 do you know what i mean yeah but i hear that i yeah like it's cool to hit a round number and 
primarily because the more people that follow me, the more I think, oh, like I'm actually helping people for a change now compared to the last like 12 years or something of me making social media content. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do care. I do care. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But um, I think mainly because it makes you feel like all the effort's worth it. Like content creation takes a lot of time. I don't think a, pe- a lot of people realize that. Yeah, 100%. But you know what? The one thing that annoys me about the amount of following that we have is the judgment of others on you on how important you are. For example, people, when I I first went to body power, um, I was on 10,000 followers or something. No one really, there was people that coming up to me through like JSA and stuff, taking pictures, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, which was amazing to me. When I hit 10K, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And it still is. But then, people in the industry didn't really take notice of me. And I was like, that's cool. That's fine. And I understand that these are people I look up to and all that. But as soon as the following went up and they started seeing like potential in me to affect them and to grow, now they started listening to me. And it's, and it's really annoying because anyone I talk to, right. I would respect them and listen to them no matter how much, how many, how many followers they have or whatever. But you get these people in the industry that now you have 100K, they're like, oh, let me hear what he has to say. You know? Can we, can we do this without dropping names? You're yeah, not yeah, allowed to try and pressure me to drop a name because if I do that, I'm going to take you down and I've got info. You, you said to me, and yeah. I'm not going to say the name. No. Yeah, don't no, say no. the name, but you can say it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't care, bruv. <laughs> no, I'm not saying the name because if, I say the, if you say the name on this, then I'll have to say it on my other one. Yeah. I remember you saying to me that there was someone that you looked up to doesn't matter male or female whoever it was and you said they barely acknowledged you yeah. and then when you like a year or so later they were all best friends mate it's crazy and you know what i was just like whatever and even there was even a slight comment where i was in a group of people that i looked up to not this particular yeah. person i didn't look up to this person in any way but yeah i was in a group of people that i did like the phil graham jamie alderton all of those people and then when this per- this person made a comment to me and Jade and I just paused and I was like you know what the only reason I'm not gonna slap you in your face right now is because all my all the people that I look up to have only just met me and I don't want to leave a negative <laughs> impact and I had um, I actually had the same thing like a couple of years ago I got invited someone invited me on their podcast and they used to be I met them once and they were actually quite rude to me and I I'm gonna have to tiptoe yeah I met them they're a bit rude to me and I was like it just felt like a bit of a penis measuring contest. You know, when they talk down to you, they come across a bit condescending. Yeah. They had been in the industry. They had been on social media longer than me. They hadn't been in the industry longer than me, but I think there was a bit of ego involved there. And they spoke down to me and they're really rude. And I just can't be done with that. I have very yeah. like firm rules on if someone's arrogant or rude, fuck that. And then my social media started growing. They invited me on their podcast. And yes. I was like, I don't like the whole kind of fake friendship thing. Um, and the other thing, like from a different perspective, I found this really, really weird at IFS, really weird because, so like when James spoke to Luke about getting me on IFS, yeah, I think at the time I, I had something like 15,000 or 20,000 followers, like not a huge amount compared to most people there. Yeah. But yeah. I actually said to Luke, I was like, to be honest, mate, I've never spoken at a fitness conference like this. I might be dog shit. And he said, we want you there. doesn't matter. We just want you there. And I was like, yeah. very kind. But between like then and me going, 
my following went up, I don't know, 40, 50,000 or whatever. Yeah. And when I was at IFS, I had people like queuing to chat to me. And I just had, I'd never had that before. I'd never had it. And it was really surreal because I'm like, I'm literally just a personal trainer. Like if we met in a pub, we'd just be chatting anyway. Yeah. But now I've got people like queuing up to take photos and stuff. And I found it like, it was really, like, it was really nice and really surreal that people care. Cause it's like the first time I'd ever had people like wanting to chat and take photos and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Man. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling, you know, like I've always, yeah. I've always kind of like, in my life, I wanted to play football. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. It's like, I've always wanted to do something. I, I kind of didn't know what it was, but I was like, I've got something, but I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to yeah, keep yeah. at it. And someone coming to take a picture with you or even wanting to talk to you is just kind of reassuring and like, oh, you know what? Maybe I am something and I, I, ha- I do have the power to help someone out because it is a powerful thing. And although like your your recent post about influencers i don't like the word influencer either but we we all yeah. have the power to influence yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and it is a powerful thing and um i think it's important for anyone that has the power has that sort of power they should acknowledge whoever it is that comes up to them even yeah. if it's a 10 second conversation like it doesn't matter you need to i think james like james said on the first night if any of the presenters here refuse to have a photo with any of the attendees tell us and we won't invite them back and i like that i like that mentality because without people like commenting on instagram posts or sharing instagram posts like there is no page growth do you know what i mean so everyone that like stopped to chat to me i made sure i'd stopped and, and spoke to like properly spoke to and it was fucking difficult mate like i genuinely went for a piss it took me two hours before yeah. i came back because like someone would stop me and then i'll start walking someone else would stop me so I made sure I chat to everyone, but it's like hard. It's the first snippet I've ever had of actually feeling like people wanted to chat to me. Really yeah. surreal. It's, I know it's, it's, you know what, to me, I'm not going to lie, it's an amazing feeling. I don't think I'll ever yeah. get bored of it. But you yeah. know what the, what the mad thing is, is, is when you go home, when you go back home, right? And Depressing. I, mate. I was. Yeah, mate. I, I hear you. I was there as well. Like when I was living in Sydney and I, uh, this was before this stuff happened, but when I went back home to somewhere where I wasn't true, like really happy with, um, I just like broke down. I was like, I can't, I've got potential to do this stuff. Why am I in this place where I'm unhappy? And no matter where you go, like if you get a lot of attention, like you did at IFS or any sort of event, yeah. um, you go home, you sit down on your own and you've only got like the walls and you're like, oh, I'm a nobody again. <laughs> and God, do you know God. what that kind, of, that kind of reminds me of is the let's say you've got a professional athlete they've dedicated like years and years or decades to the sport super famous they don't know what to do when they retire yeah and like there is there's genuinely like that kind of psychological difficulty of having to realize that or kind of like come to terms with the feeling that people don't care about you anymore mate it's they don't they they look at you as a brand an object especially athletes I don't know if you're watching, have you, are you watching Michael Jordan's The Last Dance on Netflix? No, I haven't seen it. Mate, you need to watch that. It's unreal. Good. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. And I've got a lot of mates that are athletes and all they want to do, and this is why a lot of them have kids from early. They have, they're very family orientated because although they can go out, party, have sex and do go mad and go to Dubai and spend 50 grand yeah. on a bottle, all this stuff, at the end of the day, they know, majority of the people that want to hang out with them, they don't want to hang out with them for who they are. 
Right. You know? Right. So so they need that sort of uh family around them, people that they can trust to be themselves, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I get that. And I've I've known and I've chatted to a lot of footballers where they don't have that and all they have is football. And when they go home and they're living up north somewhere playing League One football or whatever, all they want is like someone to love and someone to be home with, you know? Yeah. Because there's someone yeah, yeah, special yeah. when they're on the pitch. But when they go home, they just they get depressed. Yeah. And it's and it's tough. So just gotta make sure I, I know I know what you mean. Like I had that with IFS, like there was so much buzz around the event, like such a good event that when you came back, it was a bit like post-holiday blues. Yeah. But you do have that thing as well where like, I think something about the fact you're in the same area with like hundreds of people that are like-minded. Yeah. And then you go back and it's like the anti-climax yeah. of just being at home, not having other people around you, not having that banter, not having that fun. Yeah. Well, after IFS, I know you did a lot of traveling, right? And although you, you had a lot of things change in your life, which you don't have to talk yeah. about, I don't care. But I don't mind if you want. If how I personally see you a lot happier at the moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 um, you, you know what? It was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a weird one. Like I think you checked in with me a couple of times and you realized that a lot was going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was an odd one. Like what's been odd is so many people that I might not have even seen for years messaging me saying, I just want to say how happy you looked compared to what you were like last year. Yeah. And it wasn't even necessarily, you know, when you go through, through something, you don't necessarily realize that you're unhappy at the time yeah, until yeah. something changes and you have the hindsight of it. Yeah. And yeah, like a lot, um, a lot has changed. And even with like the current situation with the lockdown and stuff, yeah. situation isn't ideal yeah obviously but the difference like now compared to a year ago or even less than that say nine months ago yeah yeah has been has been huge it's yeah been huge. it's good it's, it's it's good to see because i i kind of experienced the same thing you know when i was in well, a, you me- you messaged me and be like oh, i saw a instagram story of you crying at the airport and you're like i know the feeling mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i was like i was there i did that i did that for years going to australia and back do you know what i mean so yeah. i know I, I, I know that feeling so i could relate to that but then yeah. you've always got stuff to look forward to but it's just nice to see you're a lot happier now thank you, know, you. which is thank you yeah it's good how how good how good is how good was it for you to get out of where you were living and traveling so much um yeah it was really surreal so i have always lived in the same i've always lived in oxfordshire my whole life i'd only moved home like once when i was five once when i was 23 a few years later and that was it like four houses all in oxfordshire um i'd never been out of the country for more than two weeks at a time just on holiday Ibiza. <laughs> you don't do Ibiza for two weeks. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> My liver would be in bits. Yeah. If I was at Ibiza for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but apart from holidays for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, that's the longest I'd ever been out of the country. Yeah. So I booked to go to Florida. I had a flight out to Florida, just knowing that I needed to leave the country. Yeah. Uh, I had, I think, a flight from LA to Sydney because there was like an event going on in Sydney that I was going to go to. Yeah. But that was all I had. I didn't have a return ticket. Didn't know where I was going to end up, how long I was going to stay. I told my mum I'd probably be back around Christmas, which would have been, I think it would have been about two and a half months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
back, I think March 25th or something like that. So I think I was out of the country for five, six months. And it, it, it was weird. Um, it was like, in many ways it was hard, but I think sometimes a change like that makes you realize a lot of things about yourself. A lot of things about yourself. Mate, it's, it's weird, isn't it? When you remove yourself from an environment that you think it was who you are. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, here's a question for you. Where do you live? Me, I'm in Wandsworth at the moment. But I mean, where, is that where you feel like you belong? Bro, no. I, I just, to be honest. Do you, I do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 there, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you grow up there, you're like, here's where I live. Yeah. And this is the first time I've ever come back to this area because it's the first time I'd ever left. And I don't feel like I belong here anymore. It doesn't mm. feel the same. Yeah, because you've seen so much and you can see what you can accomplish, right? Yeah. And, and which is a good thing. And this is why I, I always tell everyone to do a bit of traveling because you never know who you're going to come across, who you're going to meet, what doors you're going to open. And when you are surrounded by the same people all the time, the same environment all the time, yeah, the same things are going to happen all the time, which is it's yeah. fine if you're happy with that. It's cool. But I think when you get a taste of like what can be or how happy you can be when you're yeah. traveling or whatever, like you, you, we, we, we don't have any limits of what we can achieve, you know? And I, I think that was maybe part of the thing that was so liberating for me is I, I'm very much like a man of routine. I tend to like normally like get up around the same time, exercise at the same time, eat at the same time. I get into like habits of doing the same thing, like quite introvert life. Yeah. And it wasn't until I left England and like blew that wide open that yeah. I realized I didn't have to, I think it's like almost like a safety thing. I, I retreat to like doing the thing that I know I can do, but yeah. it also means that I'm not very ambitious. I'll often like, if I get scared, I go back to like dwelling in my routine that I used to do before. Yeah. And then going to like Sydney for a bit and then going to like Byron Bay, going to Hamilton Island, like just things like that. My routine changed so much, so many times that it just made me think you're doing things out of comfort. You're not doing it because you enjoy it. Like Mate. this isn't a routine that you love. This is a routine that feels safe. And I realized that a lot of what I was doing was just, it was just out of safety. It was like almost out of like being too comfortable. Mate, hundred percent. I was there as well. Like, and when, when it's too comfortable, you know what the thing is with, and no disrespect to anyone that's listening. And cause it's not easy stepping outside your comfort zone. Mate, it's fucking horrible. It's like, horrible. My mum literally drove me to the airport and like, I basically cried for the whole journey. Like, <laughs> yeah. <it> <laughs> It was, it's not easy. And, but once you do, like, you realize you appreciate things a lot more, you know, yeah. and, you, and you get these weird, um, maybe it's just you and me, maybe we're just weird and really emotional. <laughs> but like, mate, I'm so fucking emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when you're like, when you realize there is so much more than where you were raised, right? Yeah. When you have these moments, it could be on a flight having a drink, it could be on a beach with someone or with, some friends or at an event you get these weird pauses right i just literally i just i just stand still on my own and i'm like i'm not getting teary or anything but like i have this weird emotion emotion emotionally feeling where i'm like oh my god i, I appreciate this life so much right now <laughs> do you know what have i mean you got have you got photos on your phone that you're like i know in my head that's the one where like you remember that I, traveling feeling i i do but you know what i've noticed as well after traveling quite a bit and going to the same destinations i've now learned not to live relive those same moments because they're never going to be as good yeah so i've I got don't... like 
I, I remember I had feelings like that. It was actually the, the first time I went to Ibiza. This was like, this almost loops back to fitness now. Yeah. Um, the first time I went to Ibiza, I was at like super, super obsessive, super strict. Like the, just the idea of going away and not being, not having a gym for like seven days freaked me out. Genuinely was like, shit, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people probably feel that with the current lockdown, like genuinely yeah. panicking, they can't find a gym. I know that's going on for longer, so it's not a fair comparison, but you know what I mean? No, no, I understand. And the same with eating, where it's like, holy shit, I'm going to be eating what everyone else is eating. I'm going to be drinking loads of alcohol. Like to me, it was really far removed from what I did. Yeah. And was there seven days, didn't go to the gym once. I still did a bit of like exercise around the house, like <clears> a bit of token push ups or whatever. Yeah. Um, had a fucking amazing seven days. And I remember being there on the last night and it genuinely changed my entire perspective because I was so dedicated to like in my head what like fitness was. Yeah. That I realized that I'd completely like canceled my social life. I had the one of the best weeks of my life and I was genuinely anxious about going. And on the last day we all like stood there just looked out over the ocean, had one of those moments where you're all kind of like not chatting and just like taking it in. Yeah. And I was like, fitness almost stopped me coming here because I was petrified about having some drinks with mates. I've, you know what? I've, I've been in the same positions and this might be, I could be wrong and you can agree with me or you let me know what you think. I always mm -hmm. find that people that care too much about their physical appearance, especially yeah. people in the fitness industry, and I've been there as well. I've been there where I've cared too much about how I physically look compared yeah. to anything else that was going on in my life. And yeah. I've realized those are the moments where I've never actually been that happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just concentrating everything on my, on how I look aesthetically. Whereas compared so to now, I, I don't yeah. care as much. And now I look back at it. I was like, no wonder I was feeling like that. I wasn't really happy. And, and I find that again, if there's any bikini competitors, bodybuilders listening to this, I've met so many like people that just randomly go into bodybuilding because I just feel like they're a bit lost and they have nothing to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and they just dive into that. Right. And it's, it's a weird place to be in, but I guess we all go through that to learn certain things about ourselves. And now when I'm looking at it, I feel like the fitness industry is like changing so much. Yeah. Do you think it's changing for the better or for the worse? I, yeah. My, my experience is very similar to yours. So like, if I dieted for a photo shoot, let's say I started for people that aren't watching on video, if they just listen to the audio, let's say I started at 85 kilos, I dieted down 75. The lower, the lower I got, the harder it was. And it was like exponentially more difficult. Losing a couple of kilos, something like that was quite easy to begin with. Yeah. And then that last few where you're really like pushing the diet and it feels like it's getting harder and harder, it's fucking miserable. Like yeah. people that stand on stage super shredded most of them will freely admit that they feel terrible when they're doing it because yeah. they're like pushing the boundaries of human leanness. I think it's a really good thing that as an in industry, we're stepping away from the belief that aesthetics and health go hand in hand. Like someone can be, I think people idolize super low levels of body fat, assuming that it's healthy. Whereas yeah. in reality, a lot of them are probably healthier than the people they're idolizing in the first place. So to me, like, like you said, if you can be a bit heavier, but you act, you actually have a social life, strong yeah. possibility that you're happier, healthier. Yes, you might not be five percent shredded, ready to stand on stage. Yeah, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest, man. I've I've never been that lean. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never been five percent. Like, why why would why, why would you need to be? 
Yeah, I know. Most people don't need to be lean. Like, no, I, I think the industry is in a much better place because we're drifting away from the ideal, like that idealistic view that people need to be super lean to epitomize like fitness. Yeah. That isn't what fitness should be. Fitness, like here's an example. A friend of mine was chatting to me this morning, literally this morning. And he was like, he was talking about like where the line is between being obsessive or not. He's like, I train five times a week, but I still like having like a few drinks with my wife. I like having a glass of wine or two yeah. with my wife over dinner and stuff. Like where's the line between that and getting obsessive? And yeah. I was like, he's, he's like by, by medical classification, he would be in the, the like normal weight category. Yeah. But in his head, he's like, but you know, I want to be lean. I want to have a six pack and stuff. And I was like, mate, you're, you know, you're athletic, you're healthy. Yeah. You don't, you're not 6% body fat, but you're probably healthier than I am. And you yeah. still have wine with your wife. Like yeah. that's fucking brilliant. Like yeah, there, there can be a trade off there. You don't have to be sacrifice all your social life for the six packs. Just not, I don't think it's worth it for most people. And you know, what's mad as well, that like, when, when there was moments where I thought I needed to get a lot leaner, yeah. Looking back at those photos and those times now, I was actually quite lean already. And th- I think that's the other thing that, that I've noticed as well is, especially with like physique stuff, I never stood on stage, but I used to do photo shoots and stuff. Yeah. And you become so obsessive about it because like your whole goal is about looking a certain way that you, yeah. ha- you end up picking holes with things that you didn't pick holes on. Yeah. Like bodybuilders will stand on stage and they'll finish and be like, my, my medial deltoids should be a little bit rounder or like <laughs> my, my vastus medialis isn't quite as big as the other quads you know stuff like that it's no wonder that a lot of them are insecure about their body because their their sport is basically trying to like achieve perfection yeah and like you say you can be in like in your head decent shape but be like i'm not lean enough yeah. whereas in reality to most people a lot of people would idealize that and i think there's this belief that when people get like leaner, they're automatically going to get happier. And it just doesn't work like that for everyone. Like sure. Some people will be happier if they lose some weight, but a lot of people realize that that's not actually the problem at all. The self-confidence can be. Yeah. And, And the truth is like, even when you are looking aesthetically amazing, I noticed for a fact, talking to bodybuilders, talking to physique models, even myself, you're never really happy. You always want more. You always want more. Like, Go on. Yeah, I, I said this to a friend, like, let's say, what, what's the average salary in the UK? Like 30 grand, 35, something like that. Yeah. So let's say someone, their goal as a teenager is to earn a 40 grand a year salary. When they get to 40 grand a year, do they go, happy now? Yeah. They're like, oh, if I, if I get a pay rise, I can get 45, I can get 50. Exactly. People approach their physiques in the same way where if they lose a few pounds, they'll often go, if I lose just a couple more, I think that'll really be the difference maker. And they like push it and they push it and they push it. And they're kind of doing it out of this almost like dissatisfaction with themselves. The belief that if they lose another pound or another two pounds, they'll be happier. And I just don't think it works like that all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. people are picking holes in their self rather than being happy with how they look. Yeah. We've, um, we've say, so there was, there was a time where I was, training crazy i was counting all my calories my macro split was perfect and i cared so much that it was stressing me out a little bit right yeah and i I wasn't happy although i looking back at it now i was lean but i wasn't happy with it 
Yeah. And when I stopped that and all my stuff was based more around performance and actually when I started drinking, funny enough, yeah, mate, I swear I got leaner. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, like, from like permanently dehydrated. <laughs> either that. It was either that. Or yeah. just, just the fact that I stopped stressing about it so much and yeah. I just relaxed a little bit. I still ate loads of good food. I had loads of food. I was still very active. My training now wasn't because before I was in a state where, oh my God, I didn't do my program today. I can't be training any other way. I can't train with you, bro, because I need to do my program because I need yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that. I was in that phase, you know? And as soon as I stopped that and I just started training, being more consistent and I let go a little bit and I got, I got better results. Would you say stress? makes a big impact on people when, when it comes to them trying to get, when it comes to them trying to look aesthetically better. Yeah, it can do. And it, it can be multifaceted. Like for example, there's, there's some kind of obscure research where they um, put people through a stress test, like an imposed stress test and then see how much food they eat afterwards. Things like that. Yeah. Like stress can impact, um, like eating behavior, stress can impact training performance or recovery, for example, like hypothetically. Um, although yeah. it's, you know, it's difficult to quantify, you can't exactly put people through, through a stressful eight weeks and see how much gains they make. Yeah. But um, yeah, like generally speaking, I think it can make a huge impact. Um, and like how you phrased it at the moment, I think is one of the things that's really good to reiterate to people is you're like, I still trained, yeah. but. I was a bit more like performance goal focused rather than like physique focused. I had a bit more of a social life. You know, it sounds like you, you found a balance that worked better to you. And for most people, if you I think if you interviewed most people and you said, do you want to be super fucking shredded and never socialize with your friends? Most of them would say no. Yeah, And if you're like, okay, you could be in your head, whatever your class is like decent shape. I know it's opening a can of worms on what that yeah, means, yeah, yeah. but you can still go for drinks with your mates. You can still have takeaways and stuff. You know, you're going to moderate to a point, but you can have more of a balance there. Most people are going to go, yeah, I'll have the second one. Or they're going to find somewhere on the spectrum they want to be, but most people don't want to be like at that extreme end. Yeah, I hear you. And with, with, with yourself now, when you're going into the gym and when you're training, is your yeah. goals now aesthetic? Or performance or just maintaining well i mean the thing is the thing is with me i i don't take anabolics yeah i'm never gonna build like a huge amount of muscle rapidly like a photo yeah. a photos of me now and a photo of me five years ago i honestly barely look fucking different like you could genuinely swap the heads on them and i'd struggle to realize which was which so the amount of physical change that my body gets it, it's really minimal um yeah. But I've also found that it feels better for my mental health to just focus on performance-based goals, like yeah. pick a bench press goal, pick a pull-up goal, pick a you know a, yeah. a squat goal or deadlift goal or whatever. Yeah. And I just find it more rewarding, and I yeah. don't have to look in the mirror as much as I did when I was dieting for photo shoots, which yeah. became all the time. The mad, the mad thing is with all those goals, like performance goals, you're going to have to progressively overload, and when you progressively overload, you get good results anyway. And that, I think that's the thing that I used to do for clients. Like if clients say, I want to build muscle, it's really fucking difficult to measure muscle growth to the average person. Yeah. Like a client in the gym, what are they going to do? Stand on 
via electrical impedance yeah. analysis scales or something like yeah how much muscle do people really gain week to week like it's so small that it's really difficult to measure yeah so when most people say well i want to build muscle if that's their only goal it's almost like it's a bit aimless so what yeah. i used to do with people is like, okay what we're going to do is give you some goals that will facilitate that something that's easier to quantify but also something that will help reinforce motivation because yeah. if your goal is to just build muscle yeah. how do you know when you get there how do you know how long it'll take yeah it's so vague yeah you know, it could be 10 years worth of training and people get to that point and still not feel like they've built enough so i'd say okay pick some exercises you want to be good at yeah and then we would like just draw down some goals on what they want to get to yeah we'll, like, we'll just focus on that and yeah. we'll let the muscle building process you know happen as a byproduct of it and another the mad thing is as well for you guys that are listening is people will be like hard work beats genetics and all that stuff but the truth is genetics plays i personally think a big like a big a big part like in um who how you grow muscle how much you grow muscle how how well you hold your weight you know and for, i'll give you a, i'll give you a prime example right and ben you tell me if i'm wrong i was raised around africans nigerians Jamaican guys, guys that are built like absolute weapons. Anything they touch when it comes to yeah. weights, they just put on pure muscle. They can eat everything and anything as long as they train hard and progressively overload. They were just, I just accepted the fact that my mate was always going to look better than me, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's just genetically yeah. built like a weapon, right? So I've, I just stopped I've, comparing yeah. myself to him, you know, and yeah, go on, carry on. Uh, uh, yeah i've had people like i've had friends and stuff where even like i think a lot of people if they see someone in amazing shape they go oh, it must be genetics and there's like, obviously a genetic component but if you don't know what they've had to do to get there it's a bit you know some people have told me that i've had amazing genetics and i'm like mm, crohn's disease and both my parents are skinny let's not throw that around as if <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah my parents aren't exactly bodybuilders yeah um but like for example i had a client of mine like quite a stocky like rugby player type guy yeah and when we first started training first session he struggled to do eight pull-ups like body weight pull-ups that yeah. was where his level was that was just like testing things around yeah within two months he did a 40 kilo pull-up jesus and it's like to most people if you said can you do that they're like i definitely can't do that much right to him he was basically doing it with like half his body weight and he did it out of program i didn't tell him to when we're at max two months in he's just faffing around yeah. But the amount of strength he gained across things, like he went into a deadlift, hadn't deadlifted for years, and he was like a teenager when he did. Yeah. First session back, he decided to do 1RM because guys are dumb and they do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I definitely didn't say this. He came back and said, oh, I did, did deadlift when I'm at max. I was like, oh, what'd you do? He's like, well, I haven't deadlifted in like four years. And that was when I was like 20 or something. Yeah. First session back, he did 180 kilos. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, mate, that takes me like training phases of working up to, <laughs> to get to that point. And he just said, oh, is, why is that a lot? Just, this was a guy who's like early 20s, just pulled mate, it casually. Freak, what a freak. And you know what? He, also, he literally had surgery on, um, on one of his hamstrings as well. Like this is a guy with, that came back from a severe knee injury yeah so they'd have to like repair a missing ligament so, so we also it's had imbalances, imbalances. oh mate i'm real but you know what as well like you get a lot of people ask me like darren how quickly would it be how quickly would i improve in this and that and i'm like it honestly depends on how experienced you are as well like i don't know yeah if you're someone that's never been exposed to any resistance training 
you usually get crazy results with these guys, right? Like, can I insert something like super nerdy? Of course, bro. Drop. Like 30, give me some we'll, bumps. Give we'll me some do, nuggets. We'll do thirty seconds of something, something really nerdy. So, like for example, the the research on like rates of muscle growth are actually quite sparse because you can't measure people's muscle growth over, over the course of a year. You know, you don't have research studies that go on for that long. Yeah. So when they will measure muscle growth, like before and after, they will give like a group average. But there was like a research study that showed rate of muscle growth, two different calorie requirements. So basically, like if we give them a really heavy calorie surplus or a milder calorie surplus, yeah. how much muscle do, does each one gain? And although they can see like differences, most research studies report like the average Okay. Out of these 20 participants, on average, they gained 1.5 pounds of muscle or whatever. Okay. But some research papers will report the inter-individual differences, and they'll give a little graph where you can see how every individual person responded. And almost everyone that I've ever seen, that I can think of off the top of my head, some people made progress and some people regressed. That's how wide the, uh, the range okay. So yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, you can gain this much muscle. It's like even in the research, you will see huge variance in like yeah. different subjects. So when someone says, how much muscle am I going to grow? It's like. But there's so many variables to this. How like a piece of string. how consistent you are, how hard you yeah. train, your genetics, how long you've been training, how experienced yeah. you are, how much you progressively. Like there's so many of these variables that when people yeah. ask these questions, I also find it quite hard. I, I find it hard to answer because I'm like, I really can't answer that means, this. That means you're answering well. Like, if it's hard to answer, you're answering well. Yeah, because I like there is no one answer to this. There is loads. No. Yeah, you know, and anyone that is has got a one answer to this is a bad coach. They, they are lying. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. lying. They're yeah. either trying to sell something or they're yeah. just pure out lying. Well, right? I can get you to gain a pound of muscle a month. It's like, how do you know that? You, exactly. You, know, you don't unless, even if you knew like everyone's training history, what they're training is going to be like over the next 12 weeks what their nutrition is going to be like what they're you just don't know you can't yeah. give a number that exact yeah 100%. like you say it's normally a sales pitch if people are like you will lose this much weight in this period of time or you will gain this much muscle in this period of time you yeah. can't guarantee that. you can't you can't guarantee that as well how how often because obviously like i said we need the nerdy guys like you man looking up yeah. those research papers and that. how often are you on these research papers and where 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 do you find it where do you find all this honestly mate too fucking long like some of some of my infographics like if i just post about one study sometimes it might take an hour because i'll read the full paper rather than the abstract and pick out the bits that are worth simplifying but some of them are like research summaries so like for example i did an infographic on like protein requirements and it had something like eight references so that one infographic it's like eight different research papers that go into it I genuinely don't know how many hours I spend, but I actually like it. Like yeah. when I first started, when I first started to be on my course as a PT, I was a gym assistant at a gym in Chipping Norton. Yeah. And I had no qualifications. I was basically there to clean. I cleaned and, and just like took bookings over the phone and stuff. I didn't do any inductions. Yeah. And a guy came over to me once because I already liked training at that age and he had no idea what he was doing. And he could see that I had a bit of muscle on me for a teenager so I'm really struggling to build muscle. I was like, okay. Went through a training program and stuff. And I started having interest. What do you eat? And he said, I eat loads of protein because I eat loads of bread. And I was like, wait, what? 
what? <laughs> and I was like, just like and went through everything and he genuinely thought bread was a good source of protein so he was eating like i think he said like a loaf and a half a day something like it was really okay and all i did was just say okay so kind of protein content this is what you're getting you want to aim for this much that's primarily a source of carbs rather than bread like than protein yeah um and my manager came over to me afterwards and said just to let you know no one in the gym is paid to give nutritional advice so just don't bother what he's like it's just not in our role we're here to show people gym equipment so we no one gives nutritional advice here and i was like it's not like i was writing the guy a diet plan i just said bread isn't a good source of protein (laughs) yeah and he said don't waste your time because you're not paid for it oh so when i went on my personal training course i was already researched enough that when i started like the gym instructor part the first part of that course they would say like you have to ask that question right at the end of like the personal training course because we don't cover that on the material here like i was already someone that enjoyed reading about stuff yeah. so if a new research study uh, research research study gets posted i'll pull it up on my phone and lie on the bed and just scroll through sick guy that's good man that's it's just a nerdy thing it's mad it's mad though isn't it that that your manager said that about how you can't give that advice and, and he just said don't, don't bother no one's paid for that it's it's because i was sitting there and i wasn't in an appointment so no one had like paid to have an appointment with someone yeah he's just like you're not paid for that time just don't bother doing it and that that's when i decided to be a personal trainer because i realized that if i was actually i was like if i can't even talk about what food has protein in yeah i need to be able to go through the steps for me to be able to do that yeah of course and any personal trainers that are listening to this, no matter what personal training course that you do, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever you do, it's not what course you do, it's what you do before and after that, how you upskill, yeah. right? Because a lot oh, of yeah, people but, think, yeah, go on. Yeah, my, my course now, now I look back at it, some of the information in it was fucking horrendous. It's like, awful, mate. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, not even, I mean, just not actually correct, like not yeah. even a bit questionable, not actually correct. But you have to have a personal training course for most gyms to hire you. You have to show that you have a, like a minimum training, uh, a minimum training requirement. Yeah. So start there, but then research as you wish afterwards, I think. Nice. Ben, what, bruv, what's Crohn's man? I know you got Crohn's. I, 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 I know slightly, but I don't know. You're the guy to explain to me and to the listeners for people that don't know what Crohn's is. Ben's got it. And I want to know yeah. your experience and how you manage it and how much it affects you, bro. Okay, so Crohn's is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. It's an autoimmune disease. Um, in terms of what it's like, it's going uh, to be... Ugh. So when I was like 20 or something, I was a personal trainer. Yeah. And I I just had a bad stomach. In my head, that's all, all that's happening. You know, like if you had food poisoning or something yeah. like that, you're going to the toilet too much. That's all, all I viewed it as. Um, and it ended up going on for a few days, then ended up going on for a few weeks. I remember like I had to separate my clients so much that I'd only see one at a time because I'd see someone for an hour and then I'd have to go and lie down because I was so tired afterwards. Really? Um, I kept going to and from the doctor's appointments and I was so I was so frail, like I couldn't walk um, to the car. Like my mum had to escort me to the car. Couldn't walk to the toilet on my mum. On my own, my mum would escort me there. Um, and I think I went to the doctors one day. It's probably like 
fourth or fifth time I went to the doctors and he looked at me and he said, needs to go to hospital. He's, he's in too bad a way. Like I, I'd gone down to 60 kilos and like for frame of reference, I weigh 80, about 84 now. Shit. 60 um, but at the time I think I was low eighties. I think it was like 82, something like that. So actually was I 84. I lost about 50 pounds. Um, oh, wow. Okay. In the space of like probably two or three months, I can't even remember what it was. Um, and I went to hospital and I was there for like, they just admitted me for like six days straight. I was on a drip medication, was having like cameras in me and all, all sorts. Um, the first time I went in there, this is going to sound a bit gross. No, it's fine. I'll gloss over. So the first time I went in there, they said, you have to let us know how many times you go to the toilet because we have to like monitor your symptoms. Oh, and the wow. first day I went in there, in the first 24 hours, I went 26 times. What, number two? Yeah. No way. That's what it's like. And bear in mind, at the time, I was struggling to eat anything. Like one meal a day was hard, like really hard, because I felt so sick all the time. So wow. they basically said, are you losing weight? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm not eating, and I'm going to the toilet all the time. And they said, does anyone in your family have Crohn's? So I was like, my mum does. She oh. said, they said, oh, it's probably that then. Oh, really? Then I've been going to and from the doctors loads of times, and they're doing different tests and stuff. And someone in the hospital just said it like that. The only time I remember going to the toilet that many times is when I had barley belly. Imagine, so imagine that. Yeah. That Painful. Like just weeks, weeks straight, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And how, how, how is it now and how do you manage that? Like, is it still, so, how severe is it? Yeah, I basically had like a quite a severe stint. And then I, I was off work for like almost a year. And I went back to work in a different gym. I had to start afresh, like... Yeah. Couldn't go back to the same gym. It felt too weird. Yeah. Like going from the personal training manager and someone that worked there for years to going back, starting afresh. So I went to a different gym with someone I knew who worked there. Um, started like building everything up again, started getting clients, massive, massive knock to my confidence. And I think I realized how much I relied on looking a certain way. Yeah. I was in an industry where you feel like you have to look a certain way and people are yeah. judging you. So when I lost a lot of weight, I felt out of place in the gym again. Yeah. So I know what it's like walking into a gym and being petrified of it, even if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and my, my confidence was shot. I found it really difficult to talk to people. I struggled to even make eye contact with people because I was so like nervous and stuff. Um, and I was there for about nine months. And then the same thing happened again. Um, lost just as much weight, went down to 60 kilos. Um, was off work for I think another year yeah um, and that was the last time it happened so I was about 20 I think I was about 23 I can't remember oh, okay and did it obviously affected your training what yeah could training. you train at all I, what when I when I was really ill I, I couldn't really I couldn't even walk like oh, snap. Um, I mean my I had I ended up sleeping on the chair downstairs, one of those reclining chairs, because walking upstairs to my bed was so difficult. I had to have someone put an arm around me and my arm around them just to get up the stairs and down. Um, so I like did the, not I did not know that. I did not know it was that mad, you know. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I um uh at one point in the middle of the night, I had so much pain in my lower body, I had a lot of like joint pain and stuff. I went downstairs because I just couldn't sleep, I was in agony. And I went downstairs and I fell over on the stairs. Yeah. These are like, these are just normal staircase. Yeah. Fell over and I was too weak to stand up. 
and the stairs had a banister, had like a rail on this side. Yeah. So even with even holding onto that rail and holding onto the other side, I couldn't stand up. And I, I was sitting there for, I don't know, maybe five minutes, just calling my brother's name because he lived in the house at the time. Yeah. And he had to get up and just lift me up because I couldn't get. I wasn't, I wasn't lying flat. I was just sitting there. I couldn't stand up from like a seated position. So, um, yeah, training was out of the window. So I oh, snap. I did not know that, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew yes. like we spoke about it a little bit, but I didn't know it was I didn't know you were that in a position where it affected you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am um, like I think I under I underplayed it for ages. Like, I didn't talk about this for years because I hated the fact that people used to say it was like a very a physical thing. Like yeah. people that looked at me on social media would say things like, Oh, he's in really good shape considering like yeah. considering everything that he went through. And I hated it. Like I hated the fact that people could literally look at me as if I was disabled. So oh, yeah. um, I just, I didn't talk about it for ages. And then it kind of, I think it came out one day on social media and I talked about it a bit more and then loads of people started messaging me about it. So I talked about it a bit more and talked about it um, on James's podcast and stuff. Um, so yeah, most of it is just like I downplayed it. It was, yeah. it was the hardest thing I've ever been through, like without a shadow of a doubt, because up until the point I was diagnosed, I was losing weight so quickly that I wasn't sure if I was going to live. Like people didn't know what was wrong with me. Oh, so there's snap. that feeling where you lose like 24 kilos or whatever it was in the space of a couple of months. Doctors still don't know what's wrong with you. you get to the point where you're struggling to eat, struggling to walk, struggling to sleep. Like I was so weak that when I woke up in the middle of the night, it sometimes used to take me up to 10 minutes to get out of bed. Oh snap! Because okay. I'm like just trying to roll over like a tortoise on its back. Like I was just that yeah. weak and in that much pain that I couldn't even stand up out of bed. Um, yeah, there were times I wasn't even a hundred percent sure that I was going to make out the other side. It was it was not fun. Not fun. We need to get you a blue tick, bruv. You you deserve a blue tick just for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the audition Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that was the audition. <laughs> I'll I'll make sure I'll send that through. But um, yeah. you know you know what? I'm gonna we're gonna call it a day, bruv. That was wicked. Yeah. Thank My you. Pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Please tell everyone where they can find you so they can they can my Instagram handle is BDC Carpenter. So it's like Bravo Delta Charlie Carpenter. <laughs> My name is Benjamin David Cocaine Carpenter, which is ridiculous. Benjamin what? Benjamin David Cocaine Carpenter. My man. <laughs> <laughs> all of this, all of this stemmed from because when I first set up an email address, I was like, can I have Ben Carpenter at hotmail.com? And it's like, no, that's taken. So I was oh. like, B Carpenter at hotmail.com, that's taken. I was like, BDC Carpenter. <laughs> and that's how my Instagram started. So I've just stuck with it. That's amazing. All right, guys, you guys that are listening, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you go thank and follow my man. Make sure you jump on his profile so he can get a blue tick and so can I. Hopefully one day. Maybe we'll celebrate together. We need some fake profiles. Fake so profiles, like, People are impersonating us. We need a blue tick. Correct, guys. So you guys go do that and then report, and then report your own profiles. Thanks for joining. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining in, guys. Peace and love.